continue in our worship um, by the reading of Psalm 125. If you're willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Our reading today is from Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, and it is given to us in love. Well, if you are new here, my name is Jonathan Jones. I am a teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church in America. You can usually find me up in the gallery at the back. Uh, But this morning, I've been called uh, to use the gifts that God has given me in bringing an exposition of his word. And I trust, let's pray together and trust that it will be used of God. Lord, we come to you to ask for your help. Lord, I know I need it. I know my listeners will need it. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be present to bless your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a regular amongst us, you'll know that uh, David has been leading us in a summer series on the songs of ascent. These are Psalms uh, 120 through 134. The occasion of these psalms were they were sung by the Israelites on their way up to Jerusalem. Is this backfeeding a little bit? Okay. All right. So they would be on their way to Jerusalem for some of the uh, major festivals where all the Israelites would be called to Jerusalem and to the Temple Mount uh, to worship God. On their way up there, Tradition tells us that they would be singing these uh, psalms. And in them, they would be rehearsing their primary convictions about God and themselves in relationship to God. They contain major themes of discipleship. Psalm 120 is about repentance. 121, about the providence of God. 122, about the worship of God. 123, which we'll, I think we will skip, service. Uh, last week I was preaching in Live Oak, and I actually preached on Psalm 124, which is about the help of God, calling upon God for help. And this week, in Psalm 125, the theme is about security or certainty, How can I be secure? How can I have certainty in a life that usually doesn't give it, does it? Betsy this morning, as she came up here, she said, let's turn away from the anxieties of our week. Anxiety is usually the opposite of certainty and security. You look at a text like this, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. And you say, preacher, what are you talking about? Is this text just a whistling 
in the dark because I know my life. Each week I face the vagaries, the ups and downs, the twists and turns of my own emotional life. One day I'm quite happy, seemingly content, and the next day, ugh. Hello, darkness, my old friend, right? And even the darkness says back to you, I'm not your friend, and walks away. Are you a thermostat where you set the temperature? Are you a thermometer? I know I'm a thermometer. I can't trust my emotions. They go up and down. It's one of the obstacles, isn't it, of having certainty and a security. People tend to believe their emotional states are reality. What I feel makes it real. And then very often they kill themselves. Because that's the only thing that they're believing. Just last week, Anthony Burden committed suicide. He's on the TV every week. He's living the life of Riley going around the world. I actually saw his last interview with a journalist and he was saying that life is good until it wasn't. I know that's a very, very shallow look at a man I really don't know, do not know. But I only use it in illustration to say that on one moment you can look at a video and go, wow, he's living a great life. And the next thing you know, he's gone. Like the grass that grows, then dries up, withers, and is blown away to be no more. Can we trust our emotions? Will our emotions give us security? I think not. How about the uncertainty? The other obstacle to certainty is pain and suffering. If you read the newspapers like I do, look at them. Karl Barth once said that you should have the Bible in one hand, and the newspapers in the other, and you'll have plenty to preach on. Amen. Do you ever get the feeling, the anxiety that you look at someone who's suddenly suffering or has got an illness, something comes to them out of the blue that they weren't expecting, and you suddenly go, oh, you gulp and go, am I next? When is the axe, when is the shoe going to fall on me? And the next thing you know, you're quaking in your boots, wondering, what can I be sure of in this life? In the text, it says in verse 3, For the scepter or the fist of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. In the days of the Israelites, there was no billions of dollars that was spent by a government on defense. Most of the cities had to have walls around them because calamity could come and violence could come at any time. There was no penicillin. There was nothing. Doctors were non-existent. You needed somewhere to go for security. And lastly, what works against actually believing this text and the security that it should give to us is the possibility of defection. I can't trust my human emotions. I can't trust pain or suffering because I'll get nervous and anxious wondering when it's going to happen to me. But in the text leads us to another deep worry. And that is, have you ever thought whether you'll last as a Christian? 
Well, I get to the end of my journey. In verse 5, it says, But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, Eugene Peterson calls this backsliders in his translation, the message. He says, The backsliders will be led away. Those who are part of the children of Israel, even of a Christian community, can slide and go away. You may have seen someone who at one time used to come in and worship either amongst us or someone you knew who enjoyed and loved the Lord. And the next thing you know, they've seen a shortcut or the journey gets hard. Discipleship gets hard. Staying a long time in the same direction can get boring. And the next thing you know, you want a shortcut. And before you know where you are, you've gone off the beaten track. And your life has just slipped away. As Reformed people, we say that once saved, always saved. And I believe that is generally true. But there are exceptions. Ananias and Sapphira dropped down dead when they disobeyed the Lord. Judas had communion with the Lord. But within 24 hours, he had hung himself and apostate. Hermanias and Alexander made shipwreck of their faith. How can we know that we won't turn aside? Our emotions up and down. I'm yet to face probably the deeper pains of life. And yet when I look at my own heart, it's a wonder that I'm even stood up before you. Knowing its crooked ways. Where does Christian confidence come from? Where does our certainty and security come from? It comes very simply from these opening lines. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. As the people were making their way up to Mount Zion, they could see Jerusalem. It's a mountain surrounded by mountains. So there, there was the mountain with the temple that signified the presence of God, the immovable object of God, who was the creator of heaven and earth who had called his people. And yet around that mountain also were other mountains. And the psalmist says, just as those who trust in the Lord, which cannot be moved, the Lord cannot be moved, just like these mountains cannot be moved. That which you worship is what you will become. You will become the mirror image of that which you bow down before. And just as God is immovable, immutable, without change, and makes a covenant with his people and says, I will be your security. I will surround you forevermore. That's what you will become like. You will become the thermostat. Is there anybody here working hard to keep us cold? Hmm? 
Anybody anxious about that? No, because I know there's a thermostat right here on the wall that is setting the temperature. You are only responding to it. When the temperature is set, the air conditioner outside cools this building down to the thermostat. Many of us are not thermostats. We're wandering here, there, and everywhere. We're always responding. There's always drama in our lives. We're always just subjective, emotional basket cases. But I think as you get older, you begin to calm down. As you hang on the Lord, that's how one interpreter put it. The word trust here, those who trust in the Lord, they hang on God. It would be as if you had gotten your hands and clasped them together and you were hanging around God's neck. And when you are there, nothing can happen to you. You are hanging on the Lord. You become like Him. And as the children of Israel were looking beyond themselves up to those hills, that's where their certainty came from. They were not thinking about how they felt. They weren't thinking about their enemies. They were thinking about God and His covenant love, how He had rescued them from all of their travails and troubles. They were thinking geology, not psychology. Doesn't change, doesn't move. That's how we can have confidence. Are you hanging on God? Are you fellowshipping with Him? Are you praying? Are you reading the Scriptures so you can get the Scriptures deep into your heart? Hanging with God. That's how you can have certainty. Secondly, we can have certainty from our own increasing obedience in doing good. For the scepter, verse 3, of, the wicked, of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. When we get anxious, when we're just responders, we are tempted, are we not, when someone sins against us to stretch out our own hands in our own strength. You bite me, you watch this. I'll bite you back even harder. You think I can't hurt you? You watch this tongue. You watch this tongue. I was known for a guy who had an MDiv who when people got too close to me and I felt like they would know me and all my insecurities and anxieties, I could eviscerate people with my tongue. I would cause them to be able to see their own sinfulness so that they would be blinded and not see mine. Lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Confidence and certainty comes when your life continues in repentance, that you don't just rest on the God that you met when you first became a Christian, but as you move along in your journey, of salvation, in your sanctification, you have actual evidence that you begin a life of goodness and you continue it. It may have ups and downs, but you can come into the house of the Lord today and say, 30 years on, 
Is it 30 years? 86? 32? I'm still worshiping. Why? Because of God's goodness, his faithfulness. I used to have a, a professor, David will know him, Steve Brown. And he used to be pontificating, teaching us about preaching and teaching. And all of a sudden, he'd be telling us a long story. And then he'd see that we're all dozing off and snoozing. And all of a sudden, he would stop and look at us and go, but you wouldn't understand that because you haven't sinned big enough yet. Ooh, it used to get underneath my skin. It used to annoy me. What do you mean I haven't sinned big enough yet? Well, the thing is, I hadn't been a pastor in a church. And becoming a pastor actually made me realize just what an even bigger sinner was than I thought. I'd never had a little old lady poke me in the chest and say, you won't last here very long. I felt myself tremble. I didn't like her very much. That's called sin. Hmm? But thanks be to God that he doesn't keep you there. And a certainty can come not only by hanging with God, but God will hang with you. And guess what happens? He moves in and begins to sanctify you. Yeah. Hebrews 12 verse 11 says that the discipline of the Lord can be hard and harsh, but it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And certainty comes through seeing that righteousness appear in your life. Enjoying doing good and not responding to evil with evil. Stretching out that hand to join the person maybe who's hurt you with your own evil. Discipleship is hard. And it's easy to take the shortcut in sin and falling away like a false believer. But those, verse 5, who turn aside to their crooked ways, false believers, the Lord will lead away with evil doers. I'm not sure that I always understand everything in Scripture. The Scripture is full of paradox um, antinomy, that is, one truth and another truth. We don't see how, how they join. How can we be secure? Once saved, always saved. My old pastor, Jack Arnold, used to say, once saved, always saved, but once saved, never the same. Amen. Which probably would be a fuller view of that truth. But certainly there are some that have fallen away. But security comes through seeing God sanctify you, through continuing repentance, not of yesterday's sins, but of today's, and continued enjoyment of the gospel. That's what keeps you confident, knowing that you're not a false believer. So our confidence comes from hanging on God, increasing obedience to doing God's will, and then, to be very colloquial, chillaxing. I once saw a, a um, saxophonist, wasn't he, Lovey? 
huge groove. We were out at the beach listening to some um, smooth jazz. And he suddenly said to the crowd, what are you all doing this afternoon? Chillaxing? And exactly that's what we were doing. And you go, Pastor, where on earth are you getting that from? Peace be upon Israel. Peace. Peace be upon Israel. Again, I quote Eugene Peterson. I've been reading his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And he says, it's appropriate to say here, peace be upon Israel. He's saying, God is speaking to his people and goes, relax. Chill out. Peace be upon you. And how could we have peace? Because it's peace upon Israel. You've just shared the peace. Peace with whom? Peace with other people. He says, relax. Not only are you hanging with me, not only will I do you good and make you good and you'll enjoy it, but relax. Peace be upon Israel because you're not alone. It's a people. Who is there here? I'm so glad that this morning, where would I be this morning without my brother, Larry? He's going to be leading us in prayer. But I've gone to him many, many times dealing with issues in my life. And he's ahead of me. He's a veteran of the faith. And that's what we need, isn't it? If you're going up a hill, if you're going mountain climbing, it's, you get connected with someone. You all shackle up. You've got these carabiners. You've got a rope. And one person is connected to another. And how can you be sure that you're not going to slip off the mountain? It's because you are relaxing, chillaxing. You're with and connected with other people, which is why we've come here this morning. We don't say the peace willy-nilly. We say the peace because we need one another. And God has put you in a family that you need. You need veterans. You need people who are ahead of you. There was a veteran in the Bible. Let me illustrate this briefly. Elisha. Everybody remember Elisha? In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 through 23. Elisha, the veteran, the seer, the prophet of God. The Syrians have figured out that every time they move their army, God tells Elisha. He was the MI6, he was the CIA of the day. Everything that they did, God confounded by telling Elisha and he would tell the king and the king would move his army. And the Syrian king eventually said, which of you is the spy? Who's telling the Israelites everything that we're doing? And his men say, not us. It's Elisha. God tells him everything you're doing. And so they send an army out to the town of Dothan where Elisha was with his servant. And the servant gets up one morning, looks out, and there he sees this army. And he becomes worried, uncertain. Oh no, we're toast. He tells Elisha, and Elisha prays for him. And he says this, Oh Lord, Open up my servant's eyes. And guess what he sees? The army 
of the Lord. The Lord himself encamped around with chariots of fire and angels. See, he couldn't see. He was uncertain. But the Lord was right there. And Elijah's prayer enabled him to see it. Elijah, the veteran. When you go to a veteran, they've usually lived a little bit longer than you have. They've usually sinned bigger than you have and been forgiven. Hopefully they're repentant and have humility and don't quite think so much of themselves anymore as much as they think about God. And there was Elisha. There was another veteran in the Bible, Paul, and he sends a letter to the Philippians, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I remember these words are imprinted on my mind because every Sunday night when I was in England going to an Anglican church, the pastor or the rector, we called him, James Eyre, he would say these words. These were the last words he would say as everybody was leaving for the week. In nothing, be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, make your requests known unto God. And the cure for anxiety, peace be upon Israel. In our text, Paul says the same thing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God. Amen. Peace. Relax. Chillax. Shalom. The peace of God. Pilgrims are not made overnight. They hang on God, his word, his promises. And if you do that, you will become like him. Immovable, unshakable, secure, and certain. And people will begin to look at you and ask you, what is the reason you are able to do that? And you'll be able to tell them who helped you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we know ultimately that not only was Elijah a veteran who went before us, and the Apostle Paul, a veteran, an example of what it means to be a person of faith, but our true example, Jesus Christ, who went all the way to the cross in obedience. We know one has gone all the way and come out the other side of death, and we celebrate that he has risen from the grave. So why should we fear? Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit this morning would place in our hearts a deep certainty and security in your love and your care for us. Amen.